Tell me Coco. Tell me Coco. <laughs> Welcome to the next installment of the Yummy Coco Show. This is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, aka Colette Prosper. I'm a comedy writer and filmmaker. On this show, we talk about everything from eclipse season to OMG. So many great shows this month Succession, Dave, Barry. Yellow Jackets. Oh my goodness. I even like Big Door Prize. I'm, I've been watching like a ton of stuff. Uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah, a little bit here and there. Anyway, uh, also be sure to check out the final seasons of Snowfall and Wu-Tang in American Saga. Snowfall's ending was deeply heartbreaking, but wow, what a performance from Damson Idris. Also, uh, I'm recording this Tuesday night, R.I.P. Harry Belafonte, incredible actor, activist, performer. He was 96. First up, some housekeeping. If you like this show, please give it a rate or review. It's how you can help people to find the show. And if you have a recommendation for me, any shows that you're interested in, anything that is just um, piquing your interest this week, Email me a voice memo to yummycoco at gmail.com and you will hear your voice on the show. Sounds good? Okay. So this week, I will be talking about all things woo with writer, director, Emily Shesh, who also teaches a tarot for storytelling class. She's also worked on the show Uh, Wu-Tang in American Saga. So it was a pleasure talking to her. She is a fellow Cancerian, super fun. I love tarot. She loves tarot. We talk about tarot and it's it's a hoot. So let's just kick things off with my chat with Emily Shesh. And we're back. Awesome. Let's get into my chat with writer, director, Emily Shesh. Hi, Emily. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Happy to have you. You are a New York-based writer. You've worked on many projects, including Hulu's Wu-Tang and American Saga, which is out now on Hulu. The last season is is out now on Hulu. Um, We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Um, we're also going to be getting kind of woo-woo on the, in this Wu-Tang episode. Can't wait. Um, because you love tarot, I love tarot, and astrology. We're going to talk about it. I also want to find out more about what it's like to work on the Wu-Tang series, um, because that was, that was one of my favorite shows, and I, I'm really sad to see it go. You know, what's interesting about the Wu-Tang show 
is that it's a biographical drama. It's created by Riza and Alex C. Um, you were essentially, um, as part of a team, you're helping to create a series around living legends and you have immediate access to them. So I want to find out what that's like. Overall, just, you know, how to tell someone else's story with that special person in the writer's room. But first, can I ask you an icebreaker? Oh, yes, please do. If money and time were no object, what would you be doing right now? The time part is very interesting. Um, I would, I, I'd probably be like running around Venice, just eating and watching the water. Venice, Italy or LA? Yeah, Italy. I went there for the nice. first time last summer and I completely fell oh. in love. I mean, it's a place with like big, like mystical energy. Um, yeah, and I absolutely loved it there. So probably is it the water? Is it all the water you think that makes it so like mystical? I think so. I mean, I I stepped off the train, um, like out of the train station, which is right on the Grand Canal, and I started crying immediately because I was just like wow. smacked with this wave of energy, and um, and it's just a place where you can kind of run around and get lost and you don't need to pay attention to time or an agenda. You can just like eat wow. and exist in the present moment. Um, you were like Julia Roberts, eat, pray, love. I mean, I was like fully in it, yes. I was on my honeymoon, so my husband was there. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he was there too. Yeah, um, that would that's the first thing that comes to mind though, yeah. Wow. I want to go to Italy so badly. It would be so cool. Um, there's so many great movies set in Venice. Um, oh, yeah. Of course, I can't think of it on, off the top of my head, but there's like this Victorian. Oh, even at the end of uh, I saw recently it was uh, a D.H. Lawrence um, ad adaptation. It was on Netflix. Okay. Um, not the rainbow. Uh, I can't remember. But anyway, she ends up in Venice. Magical I place. I don't know if I've seen it. Um, there's a, you know, a, a Nicholas Rogue film from the early 70s yeah. called Don't Look Now that is, yeah. um, it's about a lot of things, but the sort of um, mystical, like very charged kind of haunted energy of Venice is infused into the whole story and it's such a good film. Oh, nice. I'm sure it's like super cool too. He's a really great director. Yeah. I mean, I have to see it. It's pretty, it, it's pretty heavy. It can be heavy, but it's um, it's also like kind of sexy and and um, oh, yeah. and spooky at the same time, which is such a great pairing. <laughs> nice. I think he worked with David Bowie, so yeah, it's yes, great, yes. yeah, hip, very hip. Um, okay, so you would go to Venice. I would go to Venice <laughs> if I had that money. I I think that sounds awesome. So I I think I would um, I don't know ride ride the coattails of yeah, your dreams come on, with me. on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so can we play a quick game? Yes. Because it also it also has to do with like woo woo shit. Great. So I, I feel like it relates. I feel like it could be fun. Game. 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 Uh, 
Um, it's a BuzzFeed quiz. Pick oh, yeah. 10 popular TV characters and BuzzFeed will guess your sign. So, you know, I did it earlier and um, I don't know, newsflash, spoiler alert, whatever. It guessed that I was a water, an air sign. I'm a water sign. It mm. guessed that I was an air sign. Gemini, Libra, Aquarius. That's just all, also why I love, you know, the idea of Venice. But like, but anyway, let's just do this quiz anyway. Okay, see, see what happens. Okay, wait. Uh, so if you're not an air, you're a water sign. Which water sign are you? I'm a Cancer. Oh, okay. Me too. Yeah. Oh, June 27th. Oh, and the 24th. Oh, nice. June Cancers. Cool. I mean, that's pretty special, yes. too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Thanks. That's thank why God I like we your energy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't realize. I have a friend who's a July Cancer. I didn't mm. realize that there was a, a difference. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Okay. okay. I think we're the gent- gentler uh, of the Cancer. Mm, that's sweet. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay. So first, okay. choose a character from Friends. Joe Tribbiani, Monica Geller, Phoebe Buffay, or Chandler Bing? Phoebe. Gotta go Phoebe. Nice. Smelly Cat song. Mm-hmm. She's, yeah, classic character. Choose a character from Stranger Things. Jim Hopper, right. Mike Wheeler, Joyce Byers, or Eleven? Um, Hopper. I love Jim Hopper. I picked him too. Okay, great. And like, wait, am I just like choosing for whatever reason? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we're going to figure out what you're, we're going to guess your sign, even though now we all know, we know. mystery, yeah, yeah. mystery is, has been solved, but like, I don't know, Buzzfeed's going to know your sign and then they're going to send it to like, you know, whoever tabulates these, these things. Anyway, um, choose a character from Grey's Anatomy, Christina Yang. Meredith Grey, Miranda Bailey, or Alex Karev? I um, have not watched a single episode of Grey's except for the pilot. Me too. Um, but whoever Sandra Oh is, I'll, I'll pick her. Christina Yang. Okay. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, I, I um, walked over to her at a, after a brunch one time, and I was like, I love you. And she was like, oh. oh. <laughs> and I was like, I, I love the chair. And she's like, oh, that's great. Thank you. And she <laughs> then she quickly walked to her car. Okay. So choose a character from The Walking Dead. Okay. Rick Grimes, Daryl Dixon, Glenn Ree, or Michonne? That's another show that I haven't seen much of. Those are all uh, exciting names, though. Yes, um, Rick Grimes. Is there a, a a woman in the group? Yeah, Michonne. Okay, so let's go with Michonne. Okay, choose a character from The Office: Pam Beasley, Michael Scott, Jim Halpert, or Dwight Schrute. Dwight. We'll go Dwight. Excellent. Choose a character from The Big Bang Theory: mm. Penny. Amy Farah Fowler, played by Maya Bialik, mm. uh, Raj Kutharapali, sorry, mm-hmm. and Sheldon Cooper. Uh, I'm gonna go Penny. It's a good one. I'm a big She's fan a of uh, of uh, Flight Attendant. Her like more, her more love. recent show. Yeah, love her. She's um, and she's like it's a. 
such an unlikable character, but you love her anyway, and I love her bangs, so like her hair. Oh, her, the like, style so is great. wonderful, and she she just she plays it so well. I feel like she really gets to flex all of her strengths in that role. Yeah, yeah, no, she's awesome. Let's choose a new girl character. Jess okay. Day, Winston Bishop. Winston. Just. <laughs> Let's go for Winston. Yeah. Nick and Cece were also options, but. Okay. We'll go no, for Winston. Winston's I do the love funniest Winston. person on that show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> choose a character from The Good Place. Janet, oh, yeah. Chidi, Eleanor, Michael, played by Ted Danson. Oh, yes. Uh, Janet. Yeah. The best character. <laughs> Game of Thrones character, mm. Ara, Brienne, uh, Tyrion, uh, Tyrion mm-hmm. or Daenerys? Um, mm, Arya Stark. Yeah. For sure. Choose an Orange is the New Black character, Tasty, mm. Nikki, Suzanne, or Piper. Oh, it's been so long. Um... Suzanne. Yeah. She's so tender. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh my God. You are a water sign. Oh, they were right. Yeah. Wow. Because we picked, so I picked Tasty. Uh, I had picked, um, I think I picked my Bialik's character. Oh, I yeah. picked Penny. So these were, the, that's why Some BuzzFeed the was like, oh, you're totally an air sign. I'm like, no, I'm not. Right. BuzzFeed. But yeah, but it got you completely. Okay. Wow. That that <laughs> must feel really good. I feel validated. Yes. But yeah, I mean, BuzzFeed, you know, made the sort of quiz article what it is today. <laughs> so they better know what they're doing over there. They better know. Yeah. I mean, occasionally. Yeah. And occasionally they mess up. They messed up with me, but it's yeah, all right. I, yeah, I yeah. forgive them. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about writing. What's okay. your ideal writing condition? Oh, okay. So, um, I am, I'm at my desk at home. I have my slippers on early morning um yeah m- traditionally i'm an early i'm a morning writer for sure i just kind of mm-hmm. fade as the day goes but if i'm working towards a deadline you know but if we're talking ideal settings yes i've done like i i'll have done nothing else this morning my brain is empty so i'm like sitting down at my desk with a very clear frame of mind mm-hmm. um i've got my water and my coffee and like maybe a third beverage and mm-hmm. I probably just, um, I like to light dried rosemary uh, as, a, as a, you know, like a, a smoke cleansing ritual. And also I think like s- the scent of it helps me get grounded and centered before I, before I jump into some writing. I, granted, I don't do it always, but you know, if I had my way every time it would look something like that. Yeah, I'll burn sage or Palo Santo. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about rosemary. Are you drying the rosemary yourself? Or are you buying it from the store dried? For the longest time, I was drying it myself. The last place I lived in Los Angeles, we had like a really abundant rosemary bush in our yard. Nice. And I also learned a few years ago about essentially like um, the like smoke cleansing is a practice that, you know, has been done all over the world. 
and mm -hmm. my ancestors who you know are european specifically like mm -hmm. irish german russian polish uh their smoke clearing rituals uh specifically in ireland i know um rosemary was one of a, a few different things that they would use yeah. so sort of trying to stay in line with my lineage and also in line with something that's like ab abundant around mm -hmm. me um because i did hear that sage is um it, uh -oh. it, it's like the new chia uh -oh. seed essentially every uh -oh. everyone uh -oh. is everyone is burning Makes it you gassy so, <laughs> <laughs> everyone is burning it so it's um uh what's the word i'm i'm looking for it's passe no 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 like it's being used up as a resource oh no yeah yeah and so um i made i made that switch a little while ago i at that point of course had a bunch of sage that like i'd already purchased and needed to be burned and so you know i still use that sometimes um but yeah now i've just really personally taken to rosemary so i like it nice and so it, it has the same sort of cleansing properties yeah 100 percent. yeah oh my goodness okay so yeah i'm gonna be rethinking um oh my goodness i i just see a newsflash buzzfeed news to close oh uh, Wow. 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 You really, Breaking you news. really took him down a few minutes ago. Oh my God. Oh my God. I know. I, I mean, it was just, they made me an air sign. I didn't agree. Something I'm had to be done. Something had to be done, but I, I didn't want them to close down. I'm sorry, Buzzfeed. I'm sorry. I did this to you. Uh, wow. Okay. Wow. So, so powerful. I mean, it, we are in eclipse season, we which are. we're going to get to. Yes. And so powerful shit is going to be happening during this time. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But like, what about, so going back to like your writing condition, yeah, yeah. slippers, morning, mm -hmm. how does tarot factor into this routine? Yeah. So um, I came to tarot like a, many people seeking you know answers and, and another resource in my personal oh, yeah. life um but i do use tarot in my writing there's kind of like two times when i'll use tarot in my writing and it's when i'm at the very mm -hmm. beginning of a project kind of like all that work that happens before a first draft where i'm you know it's like wide open space you're just generating um as much as you can and, and making really specific decisions. So when you're, when I'm world building, when I'm figuring out who a character is, when I'm nailing down my themes, um, mm -hmm. that might be when I use tarot or I would say when I'm, when I'm going into a rewrite and feel like pretty stuck, sort of like, I know something needs to change. I don't know what the answer is right now because what it tends to do is, um, it it shakes up like fixed thinking and when you're nice. when you've been working with characters and a world and a story for a little while sometimes it's it's difficult to sort of break out of what your yeah. what your idea of that story is and so by by pulling cards with with intention you might get something that's like oh this feels totally wrong but then if you sit with it for a second you're like oh wait actually there could, there could be a, a thread for me to follow here. Um, and so I think it's really useful, most useful for me in, the, in those two scenarios. 
So in the rewrite, so I'll use myself as an example. Yeah. I'm working on a story uh, where it's a domestic, it's a Haitian woman, domestic worker who is, uh, or like an indentured servant, okay. basically, who wants to be a wellness guru. And so she is, um, she's trying to take steps in, in, in to becoming that. Um, she lives with a very like ridiculous family and they have um they have a really ridiculous i'll just be vague they'll have a really ridiculous like security system mm -hmm. and so uh in with my writing group they were like oh well it's, it kind of seems like in the second half in the second act two it t this security system like takes over the story and I, I don't I don't see your main character anymore so I tried mm. to weave so in rewriting I was trying to like weave that character um see the police don't agree either so the, I, they they you know they're I was trying to like scene. they're coming for yeah they're coming for us all but uh that's another story but anyway um yes. it, it's yeah so it's just like I I had to rework it to kind of connect to somehow connect the security system with with my main character mm -hmm. um so if i was to use tarot yeah. in that instance am i looking for tarot to tell me yes you should take out that that security system uh set piece or you should somehow connect it like what 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 is it what kind of answers would it tell me i would say if you're specifically looking to figure out what the relationship between this technology and your character is you could do um a poll based on theme like the themes of of these two characters relationship or the nature of these two characters relationships and then if you wanted to let's say you were going to do okay what's the nature of their of their relationship you could do a three card like mind body spirit poll which is a very common one and then you would pull those cards and you would start to be able to fill in what the relationship is between between these two characters um i would also say you could get really specific about um scene work like if you know okay a lot of there's a lot of this stuff isn't working but like this one scene where she has to confront this technology feels really central to sort of the, the power, the shift in their power dynamic for the story. Um, what are, um, what are some elements, you could say, like what are some elements of this scene? What are, um, what's the, what's going to be the shift in this scene that, that takes them from how they are in the beginning of it to how they are at the end of it. And you, and you're just pulling cards. And basically the thing about tarot cards is that, um, they are archetypes and they're given meaning based on, uh, what the cards themselves mean and also the placement that they fall in. That's what gives them context. And so you're, you would be giving these cards really specific context based on what you're pulling them for. So in this example, it would be, this scene, this this story beat that fundamentally shifts the power dynamic between these two characters. And from there, I what I would do is, you know, just jot down as much information about the meaning of this card in this placement um, without editing, without any judgment. And then I would go through 
and sort of take a bird's eye view of what each of those scenarios would look like in this scene. And from there I go in and I highlight and I cross out and I, um, it gets, it gets basically my mind going in a million different directions that I wouldn't necessarily have come up with on my own. And so, um, if you're someone like us who, um, lean spiritual, then you might take a lot of this as, um, uh, really powerful channeling, right? So like writing is channeling, tarot is channeling. That There's an overlap there. But if you don't subscribe to that, you can also just take it as a generative, almost like Dada-esque exercise where you are um, using like a randomized tool to help sort of unlock your thinking in a way. So I really think that it like is for everyone, um, whether you are going to like sit down and do a grounding ritual ahead of time or whether you're just sort of like playing around with cards. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I suddenly think of uh, there is that uh, ongoing um, video on like TikTok and Instagram where just a, a person would pick a book and would go to page. It's like, you know, I'm going to take my the latest book that I'm reading. I'm going to go to page 30 and it's going to tell me what my love life is like. And so you go to the book, you mm. open page 30 and then it says uh, blank. And you and it's always funny because it's something like trash or like, you know, it just says something yeah. that, you know, makes somebody laugh. But so for somebody who's not really a believer, um, it's just pictures. It's just, uh, it, it means something. It could be, it could be something funny to add to a story. It, it doesn't have, you don't have to totally. totally take it seriously. Absolutely. And you can do it as specific as like you said, if you if you're specifically looking for joke uh -huh. alts, you know what I mean? You could say in this exact line, I need, like four different alts and, and then you would pull like seven cards and you could, you don't even have to look up the meaning. The imagery on a lot of these tarot decks is really rich and you can just examine what you're looking at and see what comes to mind through that. Or you can take a big picture view and use it for structure and, you know, first, second, third act, beginning, middle, end, or down to, you know, if you dare, like 27 wow. card pull for the 27 chapters of oh my the book. God. It might not make any sense, but um, you you will get something out of it. Like I can guarantee you, something new will come I, out. I of love it. this. Okay, so you also teach tarot for storytelling. Um, can you talk more about mm -hmm. how that came to be? How do you structure your class? Are you pulling twenty seven totally. cards? <laughs> I am not, but um, I just ran it the mm -hmm. other day, and someone um, did. I think they did like a 12 card poll during one of our exercises. Um, they said, you know, this is kind of nonsense in the order that it was pulled. Mm -hmm. But I sat there and I looked at them and I reordered them in a way that made sense. And I got a totally new story, which is pretty wow. remarkable um, and not not surprising. Um, but so, yeah, so Tarot for Storytelling is um, it's like a one-off workshop that I run. So it's pretty low commitment. It's a few hours. Um, it's on Zoom and it's essentially an all levels writing mm -hmm. workshop. Um, and so wherever you are in your writing practice, you're welcome. And it's also, you know, not specific to, um, you know, like my background is primarily in visual storytelling. So like TV mm -hmm. and screenwriting. 
Um, but this would be great for fiction writers. It'd be great for actors. Um, I had um, a friend join us who's a game designer. There's, you know, like it, it really applies to whatever you're mm -hmm. working on. Um, and I approach it as like an intro to tarot slash tarot basics. So um, I think if you are an expert in, in tarot and a professional writer, I do still think that there's stuff that you could get out of it, but you might sort of be ahead of the group mm -hmm. a little. And, and essentially, um, it came to me within the last year. It's like a newer course mm -hmm. that I'm running. And, um, and it came to me while I was doing one of these exercises for a pilot that I was breaking. I was in the very early days and I was like sitting on the floor in my living room pulling cards. I'm usually sitting on the floor when mm -hmm. I'm pulling cards. Um, and it really just came to me as a clear idea all at once, Tower for Storytelling. And I immediately knew what it was and how it was going to work. Um, there was still a lot of time put into like yeah. designing and writing the course. But um, it was so clear to me in the moment that I almost felt like, wow, I haven't, I can't believe I didn't think of this sooner. Um, and so, yeah, it basically, uh, it's, it's, sort of one part lesson. Like I said, we do like intro to tarot, tarot basics. I do a little like history and philosophy just to pay homage to like the very rich history mm -hmm. that's here um, in this practice. And then we do some like demos of card pulling, a lot of uh, like question and answer conversation. And then we do, and then we move into a workshop portion where we, um, we'll do a few pulls um and then in between there's like some sprinkling of like of mm -hmm. ritual based stuff nothing too intense but i like to introduce some of it um for anyone who doesn't have um you know a grounding ritual or an intention setting ritual before you go into a project um so it does require a tarot deck um but other than that just you know some some uh internet and a notebook and it, it's super nice fun. nice okay so for in your personal experience have you ever pulled a card that brought forth a life-changing creative moment for you in in writing uh, even like you you were talking about breaking a pilot and you were pulling cards mm -hmm. I, I guess a life-changing moment could be that that you realize oh i could teach this I think that would probably honestly be the biggest one creatively. I've definitely had some life changing pulls, personal, <laughs> personal uh -huh. um, spreads, not so much creatively. Cause I do try to go in with, um, with like a low stakes, uh, low expectation mentality, even though um, I really believe in the power of, of tarot. Um, uh, there have been a few moments that have really clarified like what's underneath a relationship dynamic that kind of uh, blows my mind when it happens. Um, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not thinking of, I can't think of any one time aside from, like you said, coming up with the course that I was like, and then it fixed the movie and I sold it for $20 million. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tarot. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay, so you're you're from Long Island. I'm from New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, we both, you live in Brooklyn. I, I've lived in Brooklyn. I'm 
now in LA, but like when you came to LA, when, mm-hmm. you know, and when you were starting out, was there someone that welcomed you into the industry and that helped you in building your network? Did you already have a network in New York when, when you moved out to LA? Yeah. What, so when I moved out to LA, I had just finished a grad program. And so I knew a few people who, you know, had already moved out. Um, and one of those people, a good friend of mine helped me get my first job. Um, she grew up out there and sort of got my resume to someone. It was an assistant Mm -hmm. position. Um, uh, I was a, an assistant to a non-writing executive producer on the first season of Queen of the oh, South. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah, it, and, and it was great. And I would say that sort of, that's what got me in the door. But from there, the people who I think of who really helped me in those early years were other mm-hmm. assistants. So, like, once you are in the assistant network, you are talking to other assistants mm-hmm. all day. And the this was pre-COVID, but I hope this culture still exists, this sort of um, gist was that you would exchange a few emails with someone to set up things for the people you were working for, and then eventually one of you would say, do you want to get a coffee or do you want to get a drink? And you would, you know, see if you vibe in any way, and if you do, you keep in touch and help each other, and if you don't, you keep in touch and hopefully still help each other, you know? And I'm thinking of one particular friend who... Um, who was an assistant on a show down the hall from us. We actually weren't even working together, but we like met like in the ladies room or something yeah. like that, or like in the hallway. And um, I can't believe I just said yeah, ladies room, by the way. Good. That's I'll a little good. shocking. We met like in the, in the yeah. bathroom. <laughs> um, and she had been in that network for a few years and kind of showed me the ropes about like, there's, you know, there's like a script coordinators, Google group, there's, Chicks with scripts, which oh, is like yeah, a, great. I think it's a Facebook-based yeah. community, you know, and and you kind of just dive in and put and throw yourself into these um, networking scenarios until things start to stick. And she's someone who um, got my resume to two different jobs that I ended up wow. getting while I was an assistant, including oh, Wu-Tang. that's awesome. Oh, okay, yep. so you, I love Wu Tang. It's you know, last season on Hulu, um, the show went out with a bang. It was, they did a fantastic mm-hmm. job showing, um, you know, showing like the, how the group um, worked through their creative process. It was just a fabulous show. Can you talk about that? So like you're, this person, um, re- I guess, essentially recommended you. They, um, you know, they, they got your resume. You started off as a writer's assistant. So like, what what was that like? Mm-hmm. So how did you like? What were your first meetings like with Riza and Alex C? How do how do you think it like you sealed the deal? Yeah. So um, my friend, um, her name is mm-hmm. Christina. Basically, her friend, someone had reached out to her friend to see if she was looking for a job at the time and she wasn't she was on something so she reached out to christina to see if she was looking for a job and she wasn't she was on another show so then that's how it got to me and um i met with alex at a coffee Mm -hmm. shop and at that point i'd been an assistant for a few years like i said i'd been um like making films uh for many years Mm -hmm. at that point and had gone to film school 
twice, which is a whole other wow. can of worms. Wow. Why twice? Um, and so the first, when I went, when I went in undergrad, I was in a really technical program. I thought I wanted to be an editor. And so I was doing a lot of posts and a lot of production and I was not writing at all. I was not, I was like scared of writing at this point in my life. I didn't yeah. try at it. And eventually by my senior year there, um, I had a few really great professors who kind of like in feedback on different essays or whatever, were, asked me, have I ever considered writing? And so I was really kind of being pushed gently towards what I was supposed to be doing. And once I started writing, I realized that um, it had everything I loved about editing without all of the technical uh, wherewithal required, which was starting to wear on me yeah. anyway. So um, that happened like just in time for graduation. And I, I worked in production and post for a few years in New York before I decided that I wanted a formal education in writing. So then I went to an MFA program um, for screenwriting. So that's that's how I went to film school twice. Huh. Yeah. So anyway, so by the time I was all good sitting down with Alex. Yeah. OK, yeah, there's a lot going on outside. Um, by the time I sat down with Alex, I was just so eager to you know, make that leap to staff writer or to get my first episode, whatever it was. And so um, I asked him if he was open to the writer's assistant participating in the room. Some uh, showrunners are not, which is certainly how I do not plan on running things when I get yes. to that level, but that's their prerogative. And sometimes they'd rather have the writer's assistant really be focused on what their job is, which is taking notes and supporting the writers, which is, you know, fair, <laughs> whatever. But uh, when I asked Alex, you know, I, are you open to me participating with discretion as long as I'm doing my job still? He was like, oh, yeah, totally. And to his credit, um, meant that 100 percent on the first day of the writer's room said to everyone, like, there's no hierarchy in this room. That includes Emily. She's going to be. Oh, that's great. And so so that really set the stage for me to do so. Um, and yeah, the rest of that interview, I mean, we talked about music, we talked about TV and we kind of just, it was, you know, like I had the experience and like a lot of things in this inter industry, it was a vibe check and we got along really well. And so, um, Alex offered me the job and I didn't meet Riza until the first day oh, of the wow. job. And it was... I was with them for a day or two before the writers started because they'd been working together for mm -hmm. months, if not over a year by the time we started. Um, and they had a ton of things figured out already. So they brought me in and as the writer's assistant, we spent two days basically me putting everything up on the whiteboards mm -hmm. that they had worked through. And I just came in and tried to act like I would with any other boss and be professional and, um, you know, treat, treat Rizzo with like ultimate oh, yeah. respect, but you know, not, not in any, in any kind of like fan based way. I, you know, I'm, I, it, you know, I, the, the mentality is like, I'm here essentially as your employee and I'm going to do my job. And that's, I had to sort of be very, strict about that at least for the you know the first few weeks until everyone was there and some people start you know geeking out a little bit and there, those moments happen yeah. but um because he has uh, stories he has so oh many gosh, like yeah. incredible stories i'm sure 
Yeah, yeah. Story time with RZA <laughs> was phenomenal, especially that first season when I was the writer's assistant. Because there were times where he would talk for hours, and I would have notes, pages and pages and pages of notes. You're typing, or do you such... record too? Would yes. you record too? That is, that's not standard, uh -huh. um, uh, because writer's room notes are, are really seen as these kind of like sacred documents that should not be seen by anyone. So an audio recording just would create another copy of something that might feel risky. Yeah. Um, I know some people ask if they can and, 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 uh, the showrunner will say fine or we you know there's different modes in a room but I was not recording in mm -hmm. that room and um and Riza is such a dynamic storyteller and he also has this encyclopedic memory so you're getting so you're getting so much detail about who said what and what the context was and where they were before this and how it affected wow. things um and I was just like writing like the wind oh my god I must I'm not the <laughs> and, fastest uh, typer so in that instance you had to be like a pushing like uh like that uh I don't know that Facebook cat so you have to be like really fast typing yeah. I mean you you cut you come up with tricks along the way honestly so there there were some times where um he would reference someone or something that i i had no idea what and i'm like just like sounding out the word I'm like i don't know what yeah. this is and then generally you uh you know i would go to you clean up your notes at the end of the day and so i would kind of flag all those things and run them past alex like i didn't fully understand i don't know if i if i jotted down this part of the story yeah. correctly and he would either fill in or or be like i don't know <laughs> um and so you come up with sh you know shorthands for yourself that you then fill in mm -hmm. later um and a lot of the time in the writer's room some showrunners want you to take down every single word that's said but a lot of the time you're taking down the stuff that sticks yeah. so you're paying attention to sort of what your showrunner is responding to and if there's like a conversation happening between two people, two writers that doesn't really end up being the thing or is not relevant, it's okay if you leave that out or if you sort of um, just like write a few notes gesturing to that idea but not getting everything mm -hmm. down. Um, because the whole point of the notes is for everyone to be able to go back and remember the conversation. So usually if there's enough shorthand there, the people who are in the room are going to remember it. Um, but then there are other times where Riza is telling a story where you want to get down every detail and so you just wow, do Wow, wow. So going back to the story, so like, um, you know, I and then also yeah. you, in your conversation with Alex, you, you were talking about music. So were you... Mm -hmm. Did you know Wu-Tang before? Like, you probably knew them, I did. but I, were you listening to them? And I knew Wu-Tang before everyone knows Wu-Tang. I, I, in my interview, described myself as a casual mm -hmm. fan. Predominantly, I would say, like, because I was a little younger yeah. than sort of their initial mm -hmm. audience. You know, I was still... Um, in elementary yeah. school when, when 36 Chambers yeah. dropped, for instance. And so um, 
my sort of strategy going into the meeting, I always want to be honest mm -hmm. first and foremost in all areas of my life. So um, I was like, I, I am a fan of Wu-Tang. I like respect and admire their cultural impact. I am not um, the person who knows every detail yeah. about them. But I am someone who loves music. I used to write about music. Um, I've been devoted to a lot of different genres of music in the courts mm -hmm. of my life and can talk music to a, a, a bit of an extent. Um, and we went from there. And his opinion was basically like, well, we have RZA, so we don't need you to be an expert on Wu-Tang. <laughs> you know? And we also have a few writers who are like, certified hip-hop yeah. heads so the point is to round out the room in other ways nice okay so um we we were both young my husband my husband and i too but we loved we loved wu-tang um my mm -hmm. fondest memory was seeing them on an episode of america's next top model and that moment never right. came up in the show and you know which is fine that's fine but like, <laughs> did Alex and Riza already know in the beginning, like what stories they wanted parsed out? Because you, you know, you're you're mentioning that like the Riza was um, just talking at length about like different stories and stuff. So, but did they? Did you have an idea going into the room what the um, like the big stories were going to be, or or was it all decided as a group? Yeah, I mean, um, so like I said, the um, Alex and Grizz had been working together for quite some time before the room mm -hmm. got started, and um, the show, I believe, I'm pretty certain, um, was sold as um, an adaptation of the Tao of Wu, which is Riz's mm -hmm. book, uh, one of Riz's books about the Wu Tang Clan and their origin. Um, yeah exactly and like part of his life story and so which like also very much he talks a lot about his family in, mm -hmm. in that book um as we mm -hmm. do in the show so there was a framework like he had already done so much work about sort of um the stories that he, that he mm -hmm. knew were crucial to getting them as a group to all the amazing places they've mm -hmm. gone um and so, like I said, that first day that I came in, when I was putting stuff up on the board, they 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 had a lot of the first season mapped out. They certainly knew all the tentpole moments. Um, they knew what the focus was going to be. I mean, the first season came out a few years ago. I don't think this spoils it for mm -hmm. anyone. But it's it's focused on the time leading up to when they oh, become yeah. Wu-Tang. Because like so, he um, was a recording artist before Wu-Tang. Yeah, he had a solo stint mm -hmm. that was, um, you know, his, uh, it was like a little bit of, a, of his fool's journey. It's about being tempted by what you think is the thing you want, but sacrificing part of yourself to get it and then it not working out anyway and feeling like you sold yeah. yourself. That's like a huge part of that, of that season. Um, uh, but along with the ideas that they were pretty clear on, there's so much out there in terms of interviews that they've done and pieces that have been written about them that the writers would then come in and 
having done homework mm-hmm. essentially, or just having been a lifelong fan and say, what about this? Um, I heard this story on this radio show, like, can we use it? Um, and the job of the writers was really just to help populate the rest of those story beats, help shuffle things around, help clarify. Cause you know, you still have to fictionalize it, um, a, a, a certain amount, you know, um, and you have to figure out how to differentiate certain characters, even though some of them may be very close and have a lot of things in common. They really, for the sake of television, need to be. And that was part of their branding from the beginning. They have all of these right. aliases, right? They were very clear on that. So we're, we're really just taking that and sometimes dialing it up or down to make sure that it's um, coming across for TV. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I want to talk to you about, because you moved up in the ranks pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, each season you went up, uh, which happens, but in a lot of ways, it, it, for a lot of people, it doesn't. Like sometimes they stay as a, a staff writer for a really long time. But, um, you know, in episode yep. 77, I interviewed Ariel Carlin, uh, who's worked with uh, Lucia Anello and Paul Downs, who created Hacks. Um, she's worked with them within Hacks. She moves steadily in the ranks. So it can be done. But how did you do it? Mm-hmm. Do you have any strategies, yeah. tips? Because you started off as a writer's assistant. You went in there. You, you met with Alex. You, you, um, you know, said, look, you know, I, I, is it possible? You asked respectfully, like, is it possible for me to also pitch? You were pitching in the room. Um, you became part of the team. So, like, how did you move up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say um, that, like, first step was was pretty crucial because I was getting a read on, on my boss and, and seeing if there's someone who would be open to this. And because, like I said, I was at a point where I was so ready. And if they were like, you can't talk in the room, I was at a moment in my life where I don't know if wow. I would have taken the job, quite frankly, as amazing and tempting as this show Yes. was I was personally at that moment where I was like I, I <laughs> you know just sort of at the end of my rope of being an assistant can really wear you down it's like it's such a yeah. hustle creating your own work uh, in the mornings and at night and in the afternoons while you are working long days um, on a show but um so anyway so I got that confirmation and um and I took advantage of it and I pitched as much as I could and I prepared as much mm-hmm. as I could and I learned a lot about how people pitch and pay attention and um, I think a crucial part of that was like also making sure I was still supporting all the mm-hmm. writers. Um, we So like um, Alex and Riza are both really great judges of character and had like a very, from what I understand as an outsider or was told a very thorough vetting process in terms of like no assholes policy Mm -hmm. in the room. So the writers were all like wonderful Mm -hmm. people. So I was able to come in and participate in a way that wasn't for the most part, like threatening to anyone. There might, there might be some scenarios where people would not take Mm -hmm. kindly to the writer's assistant kind of like piping up whenever they have an idea. Um, And I just went for it. The door was open. I ran through it. And um, 
on other shows I had asked for credit an episode or a share a, a shared mm-hmm. credit and I hadn't gotten it and this was the one show where I didn't ask for it and I ended oh, up getting wonderful. it so I wrote yeah and again it's like so much of this is to Alex's credit and to the to the other writers who really supported me who like um went out of their way to um like mentor me here and there I ended up writing the finale that season um which is wild I mean the the real of it is that I was offered a Mm co-writing credit um Alex and Riza at that point were writing all their episodes together and it was do you want to write the finale with Riza and I um yes obviously (laughs) um but they were both incredibly busy because it was the last episode of the season. The train was moving and um, certain episodes were already like moving into post at that point. We were mm-hmm. in production. Um, Riza and the group were touring for the anniversary of 36 Chambers that year. Like they had this huge other thing going on where they released... Um, their Showtime docu-series of Mikes and Men, which is amazing. If I have you to see that. It, highly recommend. Yeah, it's great. Um, and they were busy. So <laughs> so I started writing the outline, kept writing the outline. We submitted it. It went up, you know, went to the studio, went to the network, and then I started writing the episode and re- revised it. And it went to the studio and the network. And by the end of that process, Alex was like, okay, we're not going to put our names on it. This oh, is it's so amazing. It. Which, which again, to his credit, a lot of showrunners would do the same thing and still put their names on oh, it. Yeah. So it just kind of unfolded that wow. way. And I did my best every step of the way. Um, and then I, and then, um, I was also sent to set to cover that episode, um, which was, um, incredible. It was, we were, cause we were shooting in New York. So it was very full circle. I was back home. We were shooting like under the arches of what in Washington square park on day one. Um, I worked with a director, Colin Buxy, who was really open to, um, my input as a writer, which you, you know, those relationships between writers and directors on TV sets look different yeah. every time. Um, but I think I got pretty fortunate, um, in that situation. Um, and that was also in, um, May, June, 2019. Um, so I'm even more grateful that I was able to do that because we shot the second and third seasons in COVID and I didn't go to set, uh, very few writers on our show, um, went to set during Mm -hmm. those seasons. So I had that experience you know but that um process of of teaching people and bringing them up the ranks was really honored throughout the entire course of this specific show mm-hmm. um and it's so important yeah we yes yes this okay this is great before i let you go i want to talk to you about eclipse season today's the start of it mm-hmm astrologists believe an eclipse is a life-changing time to seek change and usher in evolution during a lunar eclipse our emotions and subconscious patterns will somehow be revealed when the moon is covered in the earth's shadow during this time um you're not supposed to be doing any sort of like manifestation work or tarot how does your writing routine change during this time period and do you have any tips are you lighting rosemary? Um, 
is my big question. <laughs> uh, yeah, rosemary, yes. Mm -hmm. Anything else, not really. I'm not, I'm not an astrologer, but the ones that I trust and like to learn from, yeah, I'll say that like the theme mm -hmm. is chaos. So I try to just be, I, I try to give myself and others a little more grace tune into sort of like what is upsetting me emotionally and like look and look for themes um and take it as a period to learn from um i don't like yeah i don't do any magic or rituals during this time i do write um i don't i don't have any changes in my writing practice during eclipse season but i like this question and i think it's one that's worth yeah. considering um no but in general i try to rest and do as little as possible um and then and then take the period sort of afterwards to reflect on what came up i mean a lot has shaken up already in the last few days of my, <laughs> my life so i'm i'm personally not doing much last year i got married Congrats. on an eclipse and that was just ah, sort of thank and you, you went to venice that was a yes yes well that was a few months after um, <laughs> but that, you know, there was big energy that day. It was, it was wild. Um, and I don't regret getting married on the clips, but it was, it was so intense. Um, yeah, do nothing. Do nothing. That's just, uh, mm -hmm. enjoy the ride. Be observant, though. You know what I mean? Like, they say that things are being shaken up, so some things might come out of nowhere but seemingly feel exactly right, and some things might fall to the wayside. And if it's falling to the wayside during eclipse season, I, th I think that the belief is let mm -hmm. it go. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's what I'm trying to do. How, what is making you happy these days? Oh... Um, the changing of the seasons, you know, LA has subtle mm -hmm. season shifts, though some pe a lot of people say it doesn't, but, uh, this is my first time being back in New York for the, the change from winter mm -hmm. to spring and it's watching wonderful. the buds open and the trees and the gradual changes every day. Like that is giving me so much yeah, joy right now. Yeah, daffodils coming up and yeah, it's. Wonderful. Oh yeah, those are the yeah. first ones. Yeah, uh -huh. What's giving? What's making you happy? Um, I right like now? talking to you. Um, I like that uh, <laughs> my my guys, my uh, my son, my husband are, are back in school. We had two weeks of spring break, mm. so that that was sort of um, early eclipse season for me, um, where it was just like everybody's <laughs> home. What are you yeah. doing? And uh, I just uh, I couldn't get a lot of stuff done. Um, it, it was it was a little harder, but like. Yeah, I, I I get to go to an exercise class in a little bit, and uh, and I, I finished right. a first draft of a story, and it's about a cat lady drug dealer, and so I I uh, finished that um, last night. So that stuff is making me happy. Congrats. Yeah, wonderful, all good. Yeah, things. all good things. And so I'm I'm wishing you all good things in this uh, eclipse season and and into the summer and in Thank the future. Thank you. Um, how can people find you? Oh, yeah. So um, on Twitter, I am at Emily Shesh, S-H-E-S-H. Uh, -E mm -hmm. And I'm not super active on there, but I'm there, you know. 
Uh, and then I have a, uh, all the tarot for storytelling information is on a specific Instagram account that is just at tarot for storytelling. And that's, um, really just specifically information about workshops. It's not, um, I, 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 the, the plan is to not do like a ton of marketing on there, but just have it be a place where people can find the information that that's they wonderful. Check out Tarot for Storytelling. Thank you so much, Emily. We'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye. Bye.